Dicebreaker Podcast. Well, hello, Lolies. Welcome back. Hello. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and welcome back, Alex Meehan, as well. Both hi. of you out last week, returning for this here podcast. We're almost birthday triplets. Almost. I mean, different years as well. So. Yeah, but you know, it's yeah, it's fine. what is We've, time it's anyway? The same yeah. Week. At some oh, point, you stop counting the years, and you only care care about the day and the month. Yes, so <laughs> that's true. But uh, yeah, how how are you both? Welcome back, welcome back. I'm gonna get rid of this cat. <laughs> She's just doing laps at the moment. She'll jump up, and it's like a little obstacle course because she'll go down on the floor, go around the back, jump up on her towel, jump onto the dining room table, make her way through the microphone wires, and just appear just off screen here. So every time people see me scooping something up. Uh, I'm not just doing reps. I am, in fact, picking up a cat and putting it back <laughs> on the floor. That's not that's not just how you usually off. come back on the table, Hole. Uh, she's working now just, out off camera. Yeah, but yes, uh, welcome. It's the Dice Break Podcast. It's Friday, and um, what a yeah. Friday it is! If you're in America, I think you're just about to head into a Labor Day weekend. So I hope you enjoy the long weekend. But yeah. before then, we're here to talk about board games and other stuff. Yay! Yay! Episode, episode number 73, I believe. 73, Queen Bee. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's just a rhyme. Is that Queen, you, Lolis? Queen Bee with two Queen E's Bee. or Queen Bee like Mean Girls, Queen Bee? Queen Bee with two How's E's. How's that spelled? Just B, because it stands for something that isn't the animal. Oh. Mm. Got that bit of Mean Girls. Yeah, the murmuring podcast. We're now just ASMR and the A stands <laughs> for murmur. Uh, let's get into it, shall oh. we? It seems like we've got a lot to catch up on. I'm, I was looking at the document and you both have played a lot in your time off. Yes. So let's get stuck in and talk about what you've been up to. Alex Lowley's returning after two weeks. Uh, yeah, something like that, two, three weeks. I, I mean, I was off for two weeks. I don't know how long it's been since I was on the podcast last, but... um. Yes, thank you. I'm so glad to be here. I've played so many things. Um, that's the joys, I guess, of uh, having time off and um, having my my friend who I used to work in a board game cafe uh, move to the same neck of the woods around the same time as me. So we meet up for board games uh, semi-regularly now, which is nice. And um, yeah, so where do I even begin? I, I'll start with the ones I'm kind of happy to brush over, I guess. I played Lost Cities, The Roll and Write. I don't know if I've ever played Lost Cities, to be honest, but I enjoyed The Roll and Write. It was really, really fun. I really liked it. I mean, I'm a fan of any Roll and Write. I've yet to find a Roll and Write I don't like. Um, oh. so. Wow, that's a, a strong claim. Wow. It's a it's an Uve as well. It's no, a it's a, no, it's a Knizia. It's a Knizia. Yeah, it's a Knizia. The joke is it's either Uve or a Knizia. There's always a, yeah, there's a high hit rate on both of those designers. Like there's always a good chance it's gonna be an I can't believe I got that wrong. If you're not oh, yeah. sure, just guess one of those and you'll probably be yeah. right. Fire um, me, Matt Jarvis. I, I don't deserve <laughs> I don't deserve to be here anymore. <laughs> okay, um, well, as punishment you're gonna have to write down all seven hundred of Rana Knizia's games on a blackboard. Oh, no. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, I played Rampage which is a fun little dexterity game where you build a city uh, where buildings are held up by meeples. So you've got like four different floors. Mm -hmm. Each floor is being held up by meeples. And then you are playing these kind of dinosaur monster things. 
and you can then go around and rampage. So you can like drop yourself onto buildings and they go everywhere. Or that sounds um, really fun. You can like flick. You've got a little like round foot token that you can flick at the buildings. It's it's great if you just want to destroy some things. Um, I was a little bit confused about the rules as we were playing because I didn't think the rules were that clear in the rule book. But um, yeah, it was good fun. It's just like a bit of silly madness. So is it based good. on the video game Rampage? Probably not. I don't know anything about the video game, but I'm assuming it's not. Or the movie Rampage starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Mm. Oh yeah, definitely that one. <laughs> I would say that building buildings with meeples is kind of a horrifying look into our like, dystopian future. Yeah. Like, what's your job? Oh, it's to hold up like Pillar 2B. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. that's the thing, because all the meeples have like roles as well. So the, the yellow meeple is the blonde, I think. The red meeple is the hero. Uh, they all have like certain roles in it, and um, it's quite weird. Oh, yeah. is it going for like that B movie, like Taron Taron Inferno style? Like, uh, are you, what was in the B movie? <laughs> Not with Jerry Seinfeld. No, Jerry Seinfeld. B movie. And... <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, don't know. Maybe. <laughs> What? I I really don't know. I just played the game. I didn't really look read into it or anything. Sounds really um, good though. Is it like re is it a recent release? No, I played it a few a good few years ago. Uh, I think when I still worked at Drafts, so this would have been quite a while ago. I remember playing it then, and then I played it like a week or two ago. Um, so yeah, that's that's the thing. Um, I mean, I I wouldn't like necessarily highly recommend it, but it's like it's just it's just fun if you want to destroy something. So. Um, I played the Red Cathedral, which I don't know if you've, either of you have played it, but it's um it's one of those games that like comes in quite a small box, but it's actually like quite complicated. Like when we we're going through the rules, I was just sat there, like my friend was going through the rules, and I was like, oh god. And then when you start playing, it's actually really easy and really straightforward. But it's like there's like a lot of information to intake at the beginning. Um, that was quite nice. I don't I don't actually remember it that well, so I feel like and that was I definitely played that like last weekend. I'm pretty sure or something um so i feel like it maybe wasn't that good if it hasn't stuck with me that much but it was fine um i played uh sheepy time which i believe is a new game and um yeah i've seen it around it's so cute so the design of it first of all is just lovely like the tokens that you get the artwork like it's beautifully designed it's a push your luck game where you are playing i think as the um are you playing as the i don't know you're playing as some the dreams or the the sheep in the dreams or something like that and there's like a nightmare wolf or there's actually different nightmares but the token is a wolf and you're going around in circles around this like as a sheep around this like dream circle i don't know what you'd call it and then this nightmare is also going around the circle and you're trying to make like a few laps of it because there's a little white picket fence and every time you jump over that, that's like one round. And at that point you can uh. decide whether you want to stop or whether you want to continue. But at the same time, there's like certain cards that will make the nightmare move as well. And once the nightmare goes across the fence, the game, like that round is done. And if you haven't, uh, if you're in the middle of doing another lap, uh, when that happens, you lose everything, kind of thing. So it's um, and then there's like special abilities that get triggered because um, certain spaces on the board will like you add abilities to them. Um, 
I'm making it sound kind of complicated, I think, but it's actually, it's really, really simple, really lovely. Like, I just, we just learned it from, like, five minutes reading the rule book. And, um, yeah, 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 really, really nice. I would, um, I was, I was tempted to buy it, but I wasn't sure. I wasn't that sure. I don't know. It takes a lot for me to buy a game. <laughs> I really need to love, love, love a game. Um, anyway, so that's Sheepy Time. I played Blitzkrieg World War II in 20 minutes, which is a weird tagline, um, which was okay. I, again, I don't remember that well. It was like, um, was it worker placement or area? No, it was area control. And you are like taking spaces and they give you abilities. And it's like a, um, almost like a bag building game as well, because if you put tokens in your bag and you, you draw them. So it like, it puts mechanics together that I quite like bag building and area control but I just in general not a huge fan on like war based games especially if they're based on real war wars I just think there's better themes uh, more enjoyable themes so yeah that's that was a thing that I played I played dive which is terrible really bad um it's one of those games <laughs> oh, that goodness. utilizes like see-through cards and so you've got like a stack of see-through cards and each one of them has like certain sea creatures on them so it might be a shark or is it crabs maybe crabs um, <laughs> and other fish i don't know that's maybe different, different crabs yeah. <laughs> and then some of the some of the cards have holes in them and you have to look down and you have to try and work out how deep certain animals are so how deep a shark is and how deep some other things are and uh but it's quite hard to tell. Uh, I don't know. It just seems like you're guessing. Like, I, I think I won, but it just felt like I was guessing the whole time. And it just didn't... I don't know. It wasn't... Just wasn't impressed. I really wanted to try it. because they. So it was a, actually a recommendation from the games guru who worked at the cafe. And the only other game I'd played with see-through cards before that was Gloom. And I was like, I really, really, really like the concept of see-through cards. But I've yet to find a game that actually does it really well. And that I actually enjoy. Like, Gloom, I think, mm. is a bit meh dive as i say not that impressed so yeah if you know any yeah there's, there was that um there was that game on kickstarter canvas i think it's called that uh was a game where you combine like see-through cards with other see-through card uh-huh to kind of create like uh, a portrait like a painting mm -hmm. and you create it to kind of fit certain requirements so you can okay. score points and things and that looked really fun i didn't get a copy and i've not had a chance to play it but okay. when i saw that i was like oh that looks cool so if we can get a copy of that <laughs> that would be great yeah because i've as i say i've yet to find one that like uses see-through cards and is actually good so if that's good and you play yeah it, let well me know. the artwork looks very nice and okay. i like the the concept behind it so maybe i'll get to play it <laughs> <laughs> Um, I also played Marvel Champions for the first time ever. Um, yeah, first yeah. time? Oh, wow. Yeah, because obviously everyone in the at the channel has played it, as far as I know, except for me. And I finally got to play it. But I have to say, because I was using the copy that was in the office, which I think is your copy, Matt, um, it wasn't put back terribly well. Or, oh, dear. Um, <laughs> so the first step was Oh, to... look, he's going to... I would like gonna... to stay here. That would yeah. not have been me, because I'm very... 
Yeah, the first step for me, I mean, you know how many cards there are in Marvel Champions. The first step for for us was to go through every single card and, like, put them in the different places and then then put together our decks and do everything else and actually learn the game. So it was, like, three separate days of us, like, kind of gearing up to do it. So, like, there was one day where we started sorting out the cards. That was actually ended up being split into two days because it was just taking so long. And then I think the third day is when we actually started reading the rules or something. Maybe we read the rules on the second day. I don't know. It took like three days for us to actually get to play yeah. one game. Uh, that, but now everything's put ha- together neatly. So That's what happens in the Bible, right? <laughs> oh, and on the third day, <laughs> he, he, played he read Marvel the Champions. rules. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> we played Marvel Champions. Yeah, I do remember there being a lot of, because I... I reviewed it, so I opened it from you, and I remember there being quite a lot of like shuffling cards and looking I, at the book and going, How do I build this deck? Mm. But I it's quite don't think you're as innocent. I don't think you're as innocent as you claim to be. I've got my eyes on you. I think you were the one who messed up that box. Really? I would yep. be surprised, but I mean, I'll hold my hands up because I, I did play it with someone, I think, in the office, but that was obviously. We, play, like we played it ago. together at one point, but yeah. that was a while ago. I'm well, not sure if anyone else touched it. At some point. Oh, yeah, we uh, blame Wills. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, always. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, just, I would. So. <laughs> yeah, he probably just picked up a part of the stuff and just, just shook it. There, just yeah. to, yeah, just oh, to yeah. really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just he didn't even open like, it, just shake it. threw it on the ground and then used a broom to sweep it back into the box. Because, um, of course, Marvel Champions is published by Fantasy Flight Games, uh, mm. who, as we all know, like to make really stupid... I, now, in, yes. I will say, Marvel Champions, from memory, Lolis, you can correct me on this, I think it has a good inlay. I think it actually has... No, we like... were complaining about it. No, oh, yeah, one of them has spaces to put things in. It Maybe does, yeah. but it doesn't give you dividers. So oh, okay. and none of the cards... Good. So they have this like beautiful... The inlay is actually really well done if they gave you mm. little dividers because there yeah. are no dividers and unless you like make your own dividers, the cards will just fall over. Um, so what I ended up doing is... Because I actually couldn't find any um, like bags... Um, and I couldn't find any rubber bands. I could find one rubber band. So what I ended up doing is taking some baking parchment, putting it into all the different decks, and between each different deck, putting oh, a bit of a really baking parchment, idea. and then tying oh, wow. it up. It was like, it's not great, but it's the mm. only thing that like will make me open that box again, because, as I say, like just putting it all back together just took so long. Yeah. So uh, tedious. <laughs> I feel like Fancy Flight, because normally... For those who aren't familiar, like Fantasy Flight is notorious for having the Fantasy Flight trench in every board yeah. game box, which is just like raised well, edges and then just a gap down the middle that everything else goes in. Right. Okay. And very occasionally they do other board like board in uh, board game inlays, but they I feel like they they still never nail it. It's like Twilight yeah. Imperium has a different one, but it doesn't really give you space to separate things out in the way that you would think would make sense, despite being a humongous box with room to organize stuff and yeah well, like marvel champions yeah one of the problems like, with marvel buttons. champions is that because they obviously it's supposed to be a game that you keep adding cards to so yeah there is there's a, a load of empty spaces of space. yeah there's yeah. a huge amount of empty space so that, like that I is mean, my big problem <laughs> yeah i've i've gotten games before where they want you to do that but they'll give you like bit of card that you can put in that empty space mm. at least um but there's just nothing so that is like not great but yeah, it makes the box unnecessarily bigger as well because there's yeah. so much like. But I do appreciate if you do go down the line of like, 
you know, getting everything that you would want the bigger box because you'd want to put everything in the same box probably. But yeah, yeah I mean, it's... it is deliberately as a living card game. It is deliberately a game that's designed to. I mean, it gets hero packs every so often, and then like the story expansion. The story mm -hmm. expansions come in their own box, but like the hero, I think the empty space is deliberately designed for like the hero decks. So if you buy. I don't know, Quicksilver or whatever, you can put him in there <laughs> and his cards. But yeah, what did you think of the game, Lolis? <laughs> I I mean, yeah. It's a box so, review. <laughs> uh, we played one and one game and one and a half games, I think. Uh, so we played one full game, which is like the the kind of um the one that they like the starter one that they like kind of Rhino, right? Your, yeah, they hold your hands yeah. through that a little bit. And that was all right. It was um, actually I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I really did. I think once I got to know the game, I was like, I can see myself really getting into this. But it was just like that initial setup took so long. Then we played. We started playing another game, and we ended up um, cutting that one short, so we didn't actually finish it. Um, so yeah, we played one and a half games uh, where we just we played the same characters, but we had like a different uh, like a villain. Um, mm. I can't remember. It was. Claw? Is there claws? Mm, yeah, claws in there. Yeah, claws. Um, so it was claws, and um, it just felt like because I think claws is still technically like a beginner one. It just felt like the difficulty level just like instantly like shot up like a huge. It's amount. really hard that game. Yeah, I was like, game, I was just waiting yeah. here because I was like, okay. maybe Lola, because you're like you're obviously very good at Star Run and stuff like that. So I was waiting for you to maybe just be like, oh yeah, we breeze through it. But Marvel Champions is so hard. Yeah. Okay. Like, not just um, me though. Yeah. I was a bit like, no. we were a bit like, wait, have we have we been playing this wrong? Like, what's going on? Why does why has this yeah. just gotten like super yeah. hard all of a sudden? Marvel before... Champions follows the same kind of approach as like that the Fantasy Flight Games has been doing with their co op card games. In fact, they they make them very hard. <laughs> well, you say that, but when I, I so I wrote a feature on it for a magazine before I um, moved to Dicebreaker when it was coming out. And I asked them, like, oh, yeah, you know, obviously it builds on Arkham and Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. And they were like, yeah, we're planning to make it easier in terms of difficulty yeah. because, you know, you want to feel like a superhero. You want to yes. be able to actually win. Whereas in Arkham, you know, doom and gloom is all part of it. Um, but, yeah, it's – I struggled – because I reviewed so I played quite a few games of it and struggled. And even by the time I submitted that review, I was still like, I'm still really bad at this. I just – I just could never get my head around it. I was just, uh, yeah, that was it. Okay, right. Okay, so hmm, that's that's a bit frustrating because um, oh, I mean, I yeah, lowlies, there's, the a, there's a, a technical oh, issue going on no. on the, on the video. That's I, right. I, Will's, I Will's I popped doing... onto his emails the other day. I think last last week's podcast, Will's managed to flash up his email inbox. Uh, oh no! There's nothing to. Uh, Hold on. Nobody look at anything. There. Thank you. Right, okay. Well, Wait. no, no, we still can't see us. We're looking at YouTube now. Yeah, you flicked over onto the browser. What? Oh, God, what have I done? <laughs> Tonight, mate. Oh, Matt Jesus. and I have become, have become YouTube. I yeah. need a Be Right Back screen is what I need. Uh, technical <laughs> difficulties. There we go. There's uh, me and... Hey, I'm here. <laughs> Whoops, sorry about that. I forgot that I was doing um, capture like screen capture rather than. Yeah. That's the kind of behind the scenes <laughs> glance you get when yeah, you watch us live. Yeah, that's what the viewers like. Yeah, 
the like the honesty. Yeah, it's just honesty. You know, it's just like, hey, we're 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 here. We're live. <laughs> right. Okay, I was trying to make that like nicer for me, um, but it's fine. I'll just look over here. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I will say with Marvel Champions at least, like it, I think it does give you more options to to alter the difficulty if you want to. Like, I think there should be some sort of like disclaimer before you play the game, saying, "Hey, if you play on like standard difficulty." This is actually really hard. Yeah. So, like, I think they do provide in either in the rule book or maybe online or something on the website. They do provide ways for you to to change the kind of difficulty to make it a bit more like a bit easier and harder as well. There are actually ways to make that game even more difficult <laughs> because it's all kind of based around like how often the villain does its villain thing. <laughs> And right, like okay. what the yeah, what the effects of that are. So obviously every round the villain goes as well. So like depending on how much stuff that villain does every single you know, when it's whenever it's its turn, then you can kind of make it a bit easier or you can make it a bit harder, which is what I really appreciate about about that game. Like I don't I don't think I actually mind it being that diff you know, as difficult as it is because I think it does provide ways for you to kind of alter and change that. But it is a funny kind of experience where you're like, hey, this is a Marvel game. You know, uh, you don't, I just think you don't expect it to absolutely destroy you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and that's just the thing. Like, I think it rates quite high, like in the, like the board gaming kind of comedy. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Mm. I like um, it a lot. Okay, well, as long as it's like not off-putting me hard, because like no, okay, yeah, I think it's funny because you think the audience it's kind of aimed at is like Marvel fans, mm -hmm. but I kind of I prefer that they went down this route rather than like make it really shallow. If that makes sense, I'd rather they like commit a bit more to you know making it like. I'm not like you should be a hardcore gamer because they do provide ways of making it easier if you need it to be. But I do think that the system works really well. I think each deck, at least the ones that I played from the core game, I think they really, they make, they kind of make you feel like, it makes you feel like you're a group of heroes like on the brink of this terrible thing happening and you're the only thing standing between you know, total disaster. I kind mm -hmm. of like the fact that it it does actually make you feel that sense of like desperation where it's like, oh God, like we are yeah, yeah we are together in this. Like Yeah, I think that is definitely like you you have to kind of work together, like you say, and kind of know your character and the best things to do. Yeah. Yeah. So it's There's not a... like one person can just pull everyone through. So in that in no. that case it does kind of, you know, lean into that. But yeah, it's just I think there it, is like you say it's surprising at the start because it can be quite punishing. It's a bit like, say, yeah, ooh. there is like, like there, there is a reason why, like, there are certain decks that are designed to be support decks because mm. I think, I think there are actual like, not optimum but like better combination of characters mm. if you really want to like defeat the standard difficulty. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny. I think it could be a bit more accessible, but I kind of like the fact that they kind of 
what's the word they went for it if I yeah I think there's plenty of accessible games for yeah Marvel games that's funny yeah nice to have um Lee Hiscox is talking about the X-Men Mutant Insurrection which we have a review of on the website um pretty it's the review seemed pretty positive in terms of like it being it's ba- it's essentially elder sign which yeah is... i think sam really really enjoyed it but yeah like uh he points out like i think it is quite difficult because elder sign also it's difficult yeah, yeah. Elder like sign... all of those arkham horror games just don't yeah they really don't give you much so once again this is kind of based on an existing system you know in this case elder sign which is fits a lot better with like hey this is the end of the world this is you know the elder gods are coming to to destroy us it kind of it fits a lot more that it's as difficult as it is whereas mutant insurrection being as difficult is i think i think our reviewer i can't remember who reviewed it it was one of our contributors sam, sam nelson sam that's what yeah. you literally just said their name um i think sam seemed to really enjoy it um and i think that game has some really interesting ideas around cooperation as well in terms of like if you have certain mutants working together on on missions and they can form alliances and and that boosts their kind of abilities and things which is really fun and interesting but yeah i i feel like things have, might have been a bit derailed there but <laughs> what else have you played lately uh i played junker which is oh uh just one of the best dexterity games ever yeah um because it's it's several games which is great uh if you don't know what junk art is it's a game where you get a bunch of like shapes in four different colors and they're just like randomly in the middle of the table and then there's um several different rule sets that come in the game based on cities so based like if you're in new york there's um the rule is that you like play until the cops show up or if you're in, um, if you're, I can't remember, Amsterdam, I think you have to build the tallest structure, but they're all very much themed around city, like the cities that they're based on. So there's, I think, um, is there New Orleans as well or something like that? Anyway, there's loads of great cities in there. And um, uh, so you get like several games in, in one game, but they're all obviously dexterity games. And you are creating art out of this like junk that you get. So, you know, be, be like just random shapes of things and they're quite hard to to build with so like one of them is almost entirely a circle that's just got like a one flat edge like how do you build on top of that one of them's like a really long like cylindrical thing and it's like mm, where do there's i a put donut. that there's, there's a yeah, donut piece <laughs> there's a donut piece. that's my favorite the donut piece <laughs> it's just um it's just really really good and um I've, it's one of those games that i've wanted to like add to my own collection for a while and I almost bought mm. it but then last minute I didn't buy it because I was like you know what I just need to play some of the games I've got at home before I go yeah. buying more games right <laughs> uh, now. <laughs> viewers and listeners if you don't you wouldn't know this but uh, last time Lolis came to visit the office um, uh, she took away a veritable uh, just a boatload of board games. I think I took home three bags. One of them was an yeah. idea bag. Three big bags. Yeah. <laughs> Three big bags. We were all just standing there watching her slowly collect this pile. And we were like, you really want all of this? Well, see, okay, I mean, for context, we were doing a big clear out. So we, like, the the games over the last uh, two or so years in the office have just, like, you know, we we get sent a lot of games and and just, like, uh, piled up and piled up to the extent that, like, the small little calyx that we have 
was too small already before like two two years ago really to be honest and um mm. it's only just grown so like there's like several corners of the office where there's just piles of, of board games on the floor it's unwieldy it was, yeah i kept it was getting hard. like weekly emails from our hr department yeah. to be like could you uh could you do something about this it's uh and i was like i haven't been in the office in two years i <laughs> yeah. have no idea what's going on yeah and we're like let's do a big clear out and you know give some stuff to like charity but also before we do that if anybody wants to take any games for themselves go for it so we all went <laughs> through the games off, and i yeah. was like well i haven't played this i'd like to play this you know <laughs> like there was just a bunch of games that I either really liked when we played it before or that I'd never gotten a chance to play um, and I wanted to have a chance of playing I think the main it. excuse was something like, there's a kid that I know and I think they'd really like this. <laughs> that was the that main was, excuse. I mean, I took one, one or two games like the Harry Potter Funko Pop one and uh, was it like a unicorn glitter something? Yeah. Those party. were generally for a kid. Like that. Those are yeah. not for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, okay. She says they're not. Familiar. It's true. It's true. <laughs> but um, uh, it's yeah. fine because um, as long as they're being used, uh, then it's yeah. all right. And the and there was still uh, like I mean even when we when we left and we'd all taken our pick, there was still like yeah. a huge like a mountain of games that were going um, to a very uh, worthy local charity. So hmm. um, you know, I didn't take everything from from the charity. <laughs> Yeah, whereas, but... whereas I had just a, a meagre, a meagre little pile to, 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 to take home. Well, Three yeah. or four things. I phoned up my charity and was like, oh yeah, um, would you be able to collect these board games? We have about 50 to 60. <laughs> They're like, how many? I was like, 50 to 60? Something like that. <laughs> they did come and get them. It was very yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. They didn't right. have to take all of them, but uh, yeah, they... they cleared out everything else so we yeah. now we now have space in that calyx we have a system well it's yeah. quickly filled up because we've got a copy of descent that fills an entire calyx oh, cube yeah. by itself yeah so I, I was looking at that like through a shop window the other day and i i was like oh there's the box and i thought you know it was like normal box size and then i realized that that was just a little dent and that was like that no. plus a little bit extra on the back of it yeah. as well and i was like oh that's just the lid right yeah okay. no <laughs> yeah descent descent is an island <laughs> You could live on it. It's free real estate. It's enormous. And then the only other thing I've played, and I've left it for last, because this is the one I actually wanted to talk about a little (laughs) bit. Well, I guess I can't talk about it too much, but I've played my first ever legacy game all the way through. I played it through in a number of days. Machikoro Legacy. Now, okay, I have things to say about this. <laughs> yeah, I've heard mixed things. I want to hear Loni's perspective. Right, okay, so my problem with it, first of all, Machikoro is a broken game. It's a game that's broken from the beginning before you even add anything else to it. We, we're, so we're starting off by we're coming for Machikoro first. Yeah, right. see, right, okay, so I, years ago when I was first introduced to Machikoro, I was like, yeah, this game is all right, but there was something I didn't like about it and I never really knew what, what it was. And that's why I never owned the game for years and years and years. And then we played it on, on Dicebreaker on a stream last uh, last year. And I really, really enjoyed that stream. So I was like, do you know what? Maybe I was wrong about Magikoro. Because that happened to me with Catan as well. I hated it for years. And then I played it with like 
some group of people and I was like, oh my God, I actually really like it. So I was like, okay, maybe I was wrong about Machikoro and I actually really like it. So I even got like my mom, my mom got it for me for Christmas and I was like, great, I own it now. And I played a couple of games of it and I quickly realized why I didn't like it. And it's because the game is broken. If you, once you know what, how to break the game, it's, it's just broken for life. There's no way of like fixing, well, I guess there probably is a way of fixing it if you remove certain cards, but it's just like, so essentially, there's a um, a, a way of playing Manchikoro where, uh, in, in case you don't know how it works, is you're building like a city based on buildings and the buildings have numbers on them and, and you roll one or two dice. And if you roll a number that's on your on your cards, you'll get like a certain benefit, usually money. And um, there's like some of the higher uh, numbered cards, like an eight, for example, uh, you get money based on how many uh, of a certain card type you have, which I think is a cog type in this case. Um, and an eight, which is going to be one of the most commonly rolled numbers with two dice, seven, eight, and six would be next in line, um, is only worth two coins, which is very cheap in the game. So it's very easy to buy those eights. And the cogs, like, I think you start with those um, in your in your starting hand, possibly. Um, anyway, it's a very simple strategy to go down and get the eights and the fives, for example. And all of a sudden, if you roll one eight, you can make like I, my friend who I was playing with rolled one eight, and he was getting like a hundred and twenty gold or something, which is just ludicrous. Like every single time, and it was like it's just so broken. So it's it's just it's just really really broken to start with. So in Machikor Legacy, I was like really excited to 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 get started. It was my first Legacy game. Um, they just take Machikoro and they just add a bunch of stuff to it. And it feels like they never test it because a lot of the stuff that they add just help that broken system, especially that eight and five system that I'm talking about, because like they add a lot more cogs, for example, to the game and they like remove other other things that you could potentially do to, to combat that eight and five system. They like remove that throughout the game and it's, it's just really frustrating and it was like I won the first game this is 10 games in total that you play in the legacy version uh, I won the first game and I was like great awesome off to a great start I lost every single other game and it was like really frustrating because my friend was doing this eight and five thing and I was trying to stop him like I was trying to go down the eight and five route as well or next time I would do something else to because you know, the eight and five thing wasn't working for me and it just would nothing would work I just couldn't stop him he just kept winning like and it was just soul destroying and yeah just not not a big fan it's not yeah. great yeah I was saying Defensive legacy game. I think they generally work better when they're cop because you have that kind of sense of yeah. going for it together. Whereas mm -hmm. competitive ones, it's the problem that I think C4 has, and C4 a lot of people don't like C4. Um, but when we went back to it and replayed it again, uh, we actually basically turned it into a cop game where we, we were just kind of exploring and we didn't worry so much about the competitive element, and it made it so much better. Because I think you're right. It's like when you're competing against each other, games can try and balance that. But if someone starts to get ahead, because games then kind of tumble into the next game, it's really hard sometimes to just catch up. So, yeah, yeah that's I a do shame wonder now, yeah. Machikor, I do wonder uh, with especially with the legacy version if it might have been better with like more than two players. But in that, if that was mm. the case, I think they should not sell it as a two to four player experience because I mean, yeah, it, it, a two player game is definitely broken. Maybe three and four players is different. Um, it should be the case where. Um... 
if if someone is consistently winning, I feel like either they're just very, very good at the game or the game needs to balance itself mm-hmm. to to give a, the loser a kind of fighting chance. In the same way that, like, in Pandemic Legacy, for example, try not to give too many spoilers, but essentially, in in depending on how well you do in each month, you either the game even makes it harder or easier for you, mm-hmm. kind of like from the next time you go around, because it's almost like balancing itself to to kind of fit with like how well you're doing and everything, which I think is really really clever and it makes the game works so much better because then it means like you're not having number one you're not having the same experience every single time number two it kind of it kind of tries to ease any potential frustrations you might have mm-hmm. because obviously there are lock elements in pandemic legacy that so you can't necessarily always control that and i feel like competitive games should take a leaf from that book mm-hmm. and and maybe like oh if you won whoever won last time has some sort of handicap or something and ever lost gets like a benefit that evens the playing field a little bit more it surprises me that there isn't something like that well this is the thing in mashikara legacy to make things even worse um one of the things that the winner winner gets to do for the next game is choose like uh there's like a (laughs) double-sided deck of cards and you get to choose which side you end up using for the next game so it's like, if you're playing a certain strategy, you then get to choose the, the side of the cards that are going to help your strategy mm. that you're already using. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, there, there's at no point is there ever a chance for the person who's not doing as well to have like any chance of, of claiming Having anything Having a comeback. Because that's boring when it's just like, it's just like, you don't want to watch the same person win every single time. Mm. Like, when you're, I don't know, I don't know, some sort of sport quote <laughs> <laughs> you it, it's boring if you watch the same you know sort of team win every time unless mm-hmm. obviously you're a fan of the team or whatever but like it should go for the same with with this like it, it just i i get like rewarding someone for winning and everything but i feel like winning itself should be the reward like mm-hmm. i don't know why I just don't think that's very good balancing at yeah. all. Like, and, it, and they get to go first in the next game. Yeah. Like, maybe, maybe <laughs> you know, get them to choose the next card, but the, the loser gets to go first next time. Or, like, yeah. well, you know, it just doesn't yeah. make any sense. It just makes them, like, the person who, who's winning even stronger. It's like, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. That, so anyway, would not, not recommend Magikura Legacy. Yeah, I've heard bad more. things about it as well. I had a friend who... Who'd played it and said eh, it's not very good. <laughs> I've got Pandemic again, Legacy and I'm very excited to try that though. Yeah, Pandemic Legacy Season 1, which I still haven't finished and probably will never finish now. <laughs> because the person I was playing game. with no longer lives with me. <laughs> um what we did play of it is very good. So I think I think you'll enjoy uh, my recommendation as well is try not to play it. In, I don't think it works very well if you play it in one long stretch because essentially every month of Pandemic and Legacy is roughly the same basic, like, at its core, the same game. There are, like, things, obviously, that make each month somewhat different, but mm-hmm. it's still, like, it's still Pandemic at, at its core. So I personally don't think it's very fun 
to play it over and over. Matt Jarvis is smiling because he probably did that with season zero. Um, no, well, probably... my wife and I, when we played season one as well, we played probably in four or five hours. I don't know how the hell you do evenings. that because I would get bored because even though Pandemic Legacy is really good, I personally think it's repetitive if you play it too Depends much. Depends how much like Pandemic, I guess. Like we, uh, particularly at the time. No, we I really, think really anything. If you're doing anything for for too long, where it's basically the same game, like I, maybe maybe you're just you're just different. But I I personally, my wife would has find spent twelve years with me, so I think you know, like at this point, she's she's uh learned to to just get used to the same old nonsense for a long stretch well, of time. Well, obviously, Lolis is up to you what you kind of want to do. But my only worry would be if you try to do it. My other thing about maybe why you didn't enjoy Machi Koro Legacy, aside from the fact that it's not very good at its core, is also because you might have just... I just feel like playing the same kind of game over and over again, like multiple days in a row, I would find that, like, I think it would highlight to me any issues, however minor there might be with it, because you're just spending more time with it over a short period of time, you're just going to... You're just going to notice that sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah, it's up to you how you experience it. But don't do what I do, which is play it once every five <laughs> months and then just never finish it. Yeah, I think that's that was kind of part of it. I was like, well, if we just keep going, we'll we'll be able to just mm. finish this in a couple of days. Yeah. But then I I I feel like, like and the thing is with Machikara as well, it's, you know, the game only takes about half an hour, so you can quite easily yeah, play a couple of games in the space of two hours. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's up to you. Like, my only worry was it becoming a chore. Like, if you're just going to get through this, I'm like, it should be something that that you enjoy. But Yeah, that's the last thing you want, right? It's like, you want to feel excited about, oh, what's going to happen this next game, rather than be yeah. like, this again. Go, this yeah, again. Yeah, slog on through. Uh, all right, low lasers. That well, that's everything. everything. Wow, <laughs> forty minutes I, in. I, I think I've missed that one game, but I can't. No, that's everything. That's everything. All right, uh, Alex Meehan. Right, speed round, baby. <laughs> we've, got, we've got time because I have not played much at all. So okay, well, so take your time. Don't, don't you can have your ten seconds. Um, <laughs> so uh, since I've been on the podcast, I've played. I'll just speed through these ones because I talked about them before uh we played some six nimit or six nimit or whatever you want to call it it's a six classic nimit. yeah you know you love it uh it's I fantastic i played it in person mode is better than normal mode that's my take i don't know what that is so on bga you can play professional or you can play standard professional means that you when you place the cards they go either after or in front of the line oh interesting yeah. Which I prefer. Uh, I've not played it like that, but we played it in person, which was really special. It's um, hard in person because it's like, all, yeah. especially if you play professional, because then it's like a mess. <laughs> it, it's actually harder to kind of see like what what's going on and what's out there. I didn't do too badly. I didn't lose, but I, I didn't win either. But that was fun. Um, I played some more Pokemon, the trading card game. Mm -hmm. Is this was this the Let's Play you did with Liv? Yeah, I. I played Pokemon Colon Battle Academy. Colon Battle oh, Academy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That would be something. You were the one who said it, Matt Jarvis. You can't make that face. Look, it's there. It was teed up. <laughs> like... I was, I, 
genuinely wasn't aiming for that, but now you've highlighted it. Um, no, yeah, I played some Battle Academy with Liv. You can watch that video right now on this YouTube channel, but don't go away yet. Like, finish this and then watch it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was interesting. Like I said to Matt, I feel like the decks, they it really is baby's first Pokemon. And, like, as it is Pokemon as a card game isn't the most complicated out there regardless, which is kind of what I like about it because it, it is a nice break from the kind of overwhelming nature of a game like Magic. Um, but this really is like, this is like Embryo's first Pokemon. Oh, it's, like, it's, it's like... I'm pretty sure Embryo it, was in like Gen 3, wasn't it? <laughs> there is like an Embryo Pokemon, it's weird. Um, but it the, the, the two base, so you've got two basic decks and you've got an advanced deck. The two basic decks are very like boring. <laughs> there, there's like one kind of special card in there, which is like a, a either a, a Raichu or a Charizard GX thing, which kind of has a semi interesting mechanic. I played with the Pikachu one, which is significantly worse than the Charizard one because the Pokemon in it are kind of garbage. And the only, it, like, even, like, at least with the Charizard one, you've got, like, Char Charmander, Charmeleon, and then Charizard. With the Pikachu one, you've got Pikachu, who sucks. Oh, Absolutely that's very sucks. Pikachu. No, he sucks in the game, Matt Jarvis. He sucks in this deck. He is so have bad. You, I mean, and have you played the, wasn't there, like, a recent, like, um... MMO Pokemon game. Yeah, it's no, it's ba oh. it's it's Unite Pokemon the Unite. Thing. I played that. Yeah. yeah, I played that, and honestly, it was the but worst the experience ever. And Pokemon, po <laughs> uh, po I mean Pikachu will not like in that version. Pikachu won't um, evolve at all, so Pikachu just stays Pikachu. Just whereas stick like Pokemon. because they love Pikachu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like so and stupid. even then, like the Raichu GX card is is worse than the Charizard one. So not only do you, you just have the worst of both worlds, and the other Pokemon are not good enough to kind of make up for that. Um, it was funny to see live with about fifty Salandits. <laughs> they were rubbish. Uh, so, but I won one and live won one, um, and then we didn't get to use the Mewtwo deck, which hopefully is a bit more interesting than the other two. And then I also played some Pokemon with uh, a Blastoise V deck and a Venusaur V deck. Trying to explain this, right, is like me talking to my mum about <laughs> like board games. This is what it feels There's like. There's so many prefixes for yeah, the Pokemon cards. <laughs> I, I'm writing some of the stuff <laughs> yeah. for the site, trying to wrap my head around. Okay, so this one's V, this one's V Max, this one's a yeah. GX. This one's... V and V Max are different. So you've yeah. got to remember they're different things. VX, GX, V, V Max. It could be worse, Matt. We could be talking about Yu Gi Oh, which is like another level above that, where it's just what the hell? Like, just, <laughs> when they're having to turn the text onto the card this yeah um yeah the the blastoise v and the venusaur venusaur v venusaur v venusaur v is my favorite wrestler from the 70s <laughs> um again these were like fairly beginner decks so they're kind of designed like when you get one they come with a coin that you can flip and like a little book to kind of explain the rules and the mat as well that you can play with so i think they're designed for like for people to get into the game 
and they're better than the ones in, in Battle Academy, colon Battle Academy. <laughs> um, but they're still not great. Uh, and again, one was clearly better than the other. I will say Pokemon, like balancing, just like any card game, there are balancing issues, but when these decks are like pre-made and they're designed to be played like as that deck, it kind of sucks when one is very clearly better than the other. And again, the Venusaur one had some really interesting, great Pokemon in there that worked well together. Like there's this one Pokemon called Durant, who is an ant. I know it, yes. Like Lonely's a metallic ant, yeah. Yeah, you love it. Um, you love it. You hate and it. you don't care about it. You hate it. Well, I hated it because I was playing against it. And if you have a Durant in like as your active Pokemon and other Durants on your bench, then your active Pokemon Durant uh, attack is like massively boosted. And I'm like, that's a really good mechanic. That's cool. Oh, look at my rubbish water deck with like nothing of worth in it like a sharpedo who's vaguely okay yeah so that was my pokemon experience angel beat says durant durant yeah yeah i've been trying to think of like a hungry like the wolf yeah uh, play, you I I knew. yeah you can't um other stuff i played i played some cockroach poker which oh. is a really great game crackalackan I have it in French. I own it. I've never <laughs> once played it, but I've had it for years and years and years. You're missing out, Lolies. It's great. Um, in Cockroach Poker, it's, it's really simple. It's a bluffing game where you sit around a circle and then you've got your hand of cards. And the idea is that you're supposed to make someone take uh, a card of each type. So the different types are based on like bugs and rats and bats and kind of creepy crawly things like that. So you want someone to pick up every single a card of each one of those. And you do that by getting one of your cards, flipping it over so it's like face down and then handing it to someone. And either you can you can say what it is, for example, a cockroach, or you can say, oh, it's a bat. And then the person you give it to can can either call you out saying that they either think it's not a, a cockroach, for example, or it's a cockroach, or they can take it, look at it and pass it to someone else and claim it's a cockroach or mm. it's a stink bug or something like that. And if you get called out, oh, it's a cockroach and it is a cockroach, you get it. But if they say it's a cockroach and it's not, then they have to take it. So it's kind of like um, a bluffing game where you just... Try and basically mess, yeah, lowlies. It's like what you were about to say there, which we can't say because it's a naughty word. Um, but it, it's essentially a game where you, if you played it enough, like my friends have, it's a game where you just, <laughs> you just mess with people's minds. Like one of my friends was, I think it was a, he he claimed multiple times. He claimed that different cards were bat cards. So he did that several times in a row and none of them were bat cards. And I'm like, how can you be so audacious, you absolute wild man? Um, but there are other games in that series that are also really fun and kind of play off that idea. And one of them is called Cheating Moth and I really want it. And Cheating Moth is so funny because it's like a game where you want to get rid of cards, but you can actually like hide cards wherever you want. 
And as long as someone doesn't catch you doing it or find them, then like you're, it's perfectly legal, like whatever you want to do. So you can like hide them in your pocket, like under the table, like behind a plant pot or something. Uh, I love the idea of that. It's just like the silliest, stupidest, most wonderful thing. I do quite like games where like the aim or like one of the aims is to cheat. Because I, mm. cause always, I, yeah. I don't cheat. I'm not a cheater. I hate cheating. Mm. But if the rule of the game is to right, cheat, yeah. it allows me to cheat, and I because I never do it, I'm like, oh yeah, I get to, I get to try <laughs> cheating. Um, I think cheating moth is like cockroach poker, so it's almost like a, there's a there's like a meta game within the game. So the main game is cockroach poker, but then within that game, there's a game of trying to hide as many cards as you can without people spotting you. To me, that sounds like just the great basis of of a drinking like late night silly game um because then afterwards obviously when someone wins you you go okay where are they then <laughs> and then everyone has to sh- reveal what you know where they're they just are. open their jacket yeah they just open their jacket and they all fall out <laughs> yeah. um and we also played another really fun game called detective club which i've talked about Oh, on Dicebreaker before, um, it was my game of the year in 2019. It's a really good game. It's like along the lines of Dixit Mysterium, where you have these very complicated, weird, illustrated cards um, that that kind of form like the basis of the game. But in this game, you kind of use cards to communicate themes. And there's one person who doesn't know what the theme is because everyone gets these little booklets with a theme written on it apart from one. And then essentially the aim of the game for everyone who's not like the imposter is to try and figure out who they think the imposter is. And the aim of the game for the imposter and the person giving the theme is to try and like get them, you know, get them away with it. So it's it's really fun because you have to at one point you have to explain why you played the cards you played and how they relate to the theme if you're an imposter that's fun because then you have to like quickly come up with an excuse if they're nothing like the cards that are there or the theme and also it can be really fun because sometimes the people who aren't the imposter their hand is just really bad and just doesn't fit with this theme and they could be called out for something they're not guilty of so detective club is to me, like dicks it, but much better <laughs> because it takes that kind of frame and adds like a really good system onto it. Uh, same with like Mysterium does something similar. That's why I think those two games are just infinitely superior than Dixit. Um, and then I also played a really f- unexpectedly fun game called Telestrations Upside Down. <laughs> oh, I think I know this. Right, so I love Telestrations. I think it's a really great party game. I do want to get the new edition of it because I've got the really old one uh, and it's gotten a bit scabby now. Uh, but it's one of those games that is just, just fantastic. I've never had a bad time of it. It's the ultimate party game, in my opinion. Telestrations Upside Drawn, sorry, it's called, is like initially you're like, how is this kind of connected to Telestration? Because it's almost nothing like it in the sense that the basis of the game is people work in teams and that one person is trying to get uh, the other person to guess what their their word is by having one person hold a pen 
and the other person moves the the board around to get them to draw the thing um and initially you're kind of like this sounds a little bit like a gimmick and we're not sure if this is going to work you know how is this related to illustrations but you know what we had a really good time with it like we had a lot of fun um there was a lot of laughter i think i think it's because we deliberately went for the most difficult ones possible because the easy ones are often too easy and they're guessed too quickly and they're not hugely fun but there is this one like type of word which are basically phrases and if you go for the phrases one trying to draw that is really really hard and at one point someone was trying to get someone to guess um i think it was bull in a china shop and what they drew was nothing even vaguely looked like a bowl <laughs> it looked like it looked like a mucus ghost or something it, it looked like a mucus ghost um it was it funny it did produce some really funny moments including one bit when my friend I can't say the full phrase because it's got a naughty word in it, but she was trying to get like the board and move it properly. The person was holding the pen and you have to say to the person like up and down. So when you say down, they put the pen on the board and they say up, you have to lift it up. And at one point she was getting really frustrated and she said something like, put, turn that pen around and rub that thing out right now. <laughs> Funny. So upside drawn was surprisingly good. Um I enjoyed it. That's it. I'm done. Hey. Right. Oh, 15 nice. minutes. Bam. Look at that. Uh, I played more descent. I've spoken enough about descent, but I played some of it with Liv uh on Tuesday, so there'll be a let's play coming up <gasps> soon. Uh, oh, goodness. I, I was drafted in as an emergency replacement for Will, so I had to run off for uh, something that was going on at the time um but yeah it, it was really good that game continues to be great uh we played the tutorial um into like the first scenario because it kind of introduces the very basic concepts and then it moves you into like the first full um scenario uh yeah continue to really like that game i think actually on that video it highlights some of the things that i don't like so much about it where it's a little unclear at the beginning about things like skill cards and equipment and armor which is stuff that you you get later in the campaign but it's not really mentioned in the rule book as far as i can see i've looked through a couple of times now because obviously i'm reviewing it when i finish the campaign um and the app never really introduces it either so it was just kind of a thing where during the campaign my wife and i looked at each other like we should probably be using this stuff by now right it's like because it kind of references it but it never really explicitly says how here's how this works here's you know this that and the other uh it's yeah it's kind of odd but on the whole, I still really like that game. I think, as I've said before, the big question mark is it's 175 quid or $175. Um, I am now about 30 hours into that campaign and I'm still going, still going strong, but I don't know how long it is. Uh, I've heard reports that it's about 50 hours long and I want to see where it goes because if it's about 50 hours long for 175 quid, which, I mean, that's, I a, that's a lot really, of game for a board game, but... Yeah, like we've said before, I think you're really supposed to buy it with multiple people. I, unless you're like, you have that kind of money to spend on something like yeah. that. I think, yeah, I think it's really designed to be bought with multiple people. But I, yeah. This is not me apologising for that price tag, because it is expensive. Holy hell, it is expensive. Yeah. But I really think it's 
like it's not intended to be bought by one person. I think it's intended to be but bought. But how many arrows do you get out of Gloomhaven? And that's like 150 quid. Yeah. Hours, right? Yeah, well this is this is what I'm wondering. And I think Descent is very much going for the premium. Obviously Gloomhaven has miniatures as well. It has a lot of cards. Uh but Descent has like the 3D terrain, it has the companion app, it has like mm. these very nicely sculpted miniatures. So I think it is definitely going for the like quote premium kind of experience. Yeah. But whereas Gloomhaven has like a lot of cardboard standees, which you know there are there are ups and downs to both of those. Like you don't need 50 miniatures for every game. So that yeah. is, that I think is the big question that's hanging over this is I'm really enjoying it so far, but for the price that it is, you could probably buy at this point Gloomhaven like has come down in price. You could probably buy Gloomhaven and then two other smaller games, and you could probably get something. You know, you're not going to get that exact experience, but you would probably get something very close to that experience plus something and something or just mm. save some cash so i think that is the that's the big question mark and like i say once i once i actually finish it i'll be able to make that judgment call for for real uh but i continue to play yeah. descent come uh, back here in four years yeah. <laughs> um we are getting for it uh it's been busy um also played more avatar the rpg avatar legends um wonderful news reporter chase running a game for us outside of work really enjoying it like yeah, continue to really like it. Like it does a great job of capturing that world. I'm having a blast with the characters that we've yeah. made and the world. It's no longer it's no longer on Kickstarter anymore. Oh yeah, it is. It's so done Kickstarter on Kickstarter. Uh, Boat load of money. Yep. Um, um which actually hope... sorry, Ian. I'm just gonna say I hope they're able to fulfill all their pledges. <laughs> yes, yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of people uh that back to that game. Um the most the most funded RPG on Kickstarter, in fact, mm. tabletop RPG. Uh, which leads us nicely oh into this week's news because I pulled um, just some kind of interesting stats. I spoke to uh, uh, an analyst, uh, Thomas Bedeau, uh, over at ICO Partners, who kind of does like semi semi annual, say semi annual, every every quarter or so, or every half year, kind of runs the stats on Kickstarter. Um, so we put up a story about this, but it's kind of staggering. So 28 games have made over a million tabletop games, that is, have made over a million dollars on Kickstarter this year. And that includes five tabletop RPGs plus Avatar because it's only just ended, so it wasn't actually counted. Um, so at least six tabletop RPGs. And before this year, only four tabletop RPGs had ever made more than a million dollars on Kickstarter. So in the space of half a year, six months, because it goes up to the 1st of July, we've seen more RPGs make a million dollars than in the nine years that Kickstarter has been going, however long it's been going. I think it launched like 20, 2012, maybe it launched before that. Maybe it was like 2009. But anyway, a, a lot of money going yeah. into tabletop games. Um, and like I say, like, and that's plus um, 24 board games or other tabletop games um so among those things like the witcher old world like a lot of video game stuff so monster hunter world was in yeah. there um stellaris the strategy game board game obviously <laughs> was last year oh so sugar not counted in the first half of this year um oh, but yeah can't. yeah <laughs> that's not even counted <laughs> Whoa. yeah so i just kind of pulled that as like a, a measure because i think kickstarter is such a big force in this industry um, and people are often like, oh, the, the, like, the bubble's going to burst this year. Like, And we've obviously seen, as we've reported, things like 
shipping has been really impacted mm. um, lately and fulfillment dates um, and obviously everything going on with COVID and the coronavirus. But we're already on track for yet another record-breaking year on Kickstarter yeah. for tabletop games. And I think this is like the third, fourth or fifth year running that it will be the, the record-breaking year. So it just seems to be just not going anywhere at least but certainly not slowing down it's I think, kind I of mean, part of it would be as well more bigger companies are utilizing kickstarter aren't they so mm. that'll be yeah the average up i reckon i think it says a lot that a lot of the um games that thomas pointed out um are licenses so like say the witcher um like obviously avatar uh you know, Stellaris, Stellar, even Stellaris isn't a huge video game. It's kind of a niche video game, but it's got enough of a following in the video game world where you know, it still racks up a lot of interest when it crosses over. So, yeah, I think it's probably a sign of things to come in terms of what we're going to see is a lot more licenses um, because I don't know. they bring in a heck of a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, uh, they do bring a lot of money, but that's just what we're seeing from Kickstarter. Like, like Loli said, I think a lot of these companies weren't using Kickstarter before. Like, I'm personally not a huge fan of them doing it because I don't think they need to. And I think they mostly do it because it's like a fail safe for them. It's like, I mean, granted at the moment it's very difficult in the tabletop gaming industry because of, you know, issues with finding containers to ship things in and, uh, you know, like um, ports basically just not operating because of COVID. Uh, obviously, there's a, there's a lot of investment required to make a tabletop game but i just think there are certain publishers using kickstarter at the moment cg project red get out of here be gone <laughs> do not use kickstarter you don't need to um you know i i think with magpie for example i think that's different because magpie is a relatively very small publisher in comparison to the other sure avatar like a huge license and they've done extremely well with this rpg but i still think that i don't think magpie would have been able to do that like without a kickstarter i just don't think they would have been able to manage because they're a small role-playing you know game company like whereas other you know companies using it um i'm just kind of like yeah, I just think it, it it's not necessary, and I think it takes attention away from, you know, like projects that deserve it. Because to me, I would rather see more more projects getting funded than like projects projects getting loads of money. If that makes sense. Like for me, Kickstarter, the biggest advantage of it, the greatest thing about it, I think, is the amount of variety that you can see on it. Like you know, whether that's tabletop gaming or outside of that space, like it's there because these sort of things wouldn't be picked up by a publisher. Like that's why they're on Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, Monster Hunter World, like that has a kick, that has like a publisher, like it has a massive name to it. Like I just personally, I don't see why it's on Kickstarter, you know, besides, like, it's playing it very safe. And obviously, lots of people are willing to pledge to these things. Like, it shows with how much money they're making. But like I said, I think that takes that takes the attention away from, you know, Kickstarters that, that actually really need that money and that attention. And, and also, they're priced a lot less. 
like a lot of these smaller kickstarters are like 15 pounds or whatever like you know someone could spend like 15 pledge 50 pounds for like five different kickstarters that really needed it instead of you know like putting a load of money into one big one that frankly does not need it so that's my comment yeah i think yeah it's, <laughs> live it's like from the proletariat right. like, they don't like you're right like these big companies don't need to do it but actually for them there is literally no downside because obviously like clearly exactly. they're getting bigger and bigger they're making money there's no risk to them yeah. so they're going to keep doing it while people I'm not ignorant. I'm not ignorant as to why they're doing it. Like I know the benefits they get Mm. from doing it. It's not like I'm saying, oh, why are they doing it? I know why they're doing it. I just don't think they should. Oh yeah, it's more of like a moral question, right? Yeah, I think this platform that was designed to give people who don't have large sums of cash to put into projects has now become essentially a marketing tool and a risk, like. like a risk aversion thing for multi-million dollar companies yeah and the thing is we have seen like we have seen kickstarters in the past like that monolith one uh do you remember uh, i remember covering that like there was like a monolith game system I'm trying to remember the publisher behind that it's monolith, right i think monolith is it's the maker yeah, of conan okay, and yeah. batman thing yeah yeah and that basically just tanked because like its expectations were so high and they just weren't met and it's like i think people don't realize there is a risk here to kickstarter like it's not you're not buying something you're pledging to something in the hopes that it's going to be produced and especially at the moment where like the industry is so sort of dodgy in terms of shipping things like that like i mean we had that assassin's creed game that was like oh can you give us please some more money so we could ship this and on the one hand, I'm incredibly sympathetic to particular companies who are really struggling right now because of the state of things. I mean, we saw IDW, who deals with licensed games. They went under last week, right? They they basically mm-hmm. just stopped making games. Yeah, they've said that they won't make anything. So I don't think it's a, it's not like a bankruptcy thing because they're owned yeah. by IDW Publishing, the comic uh, maker. Yep. But they basically um, they clarified afterwards. They said, hey, we're not going to make any more games. We're going to yep. fulfill... I think they've got a Batman animated series yeah. game and a Ghostbusters game. They said, we'll do that. We'll keep providing customer support. But in terms of new stuff, that's it. Also, publishers of Machikura. Same. Uh, original, yeah, original. Before it went over to yeah. Pandasaurus. Pandasaurus. Is yeah. where it's at? Pandasaurus. So. Yeah, they, doing... they knew to get out when when they <laughs> needed to get out. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, Pandasaurus are doing quite well, actually. I, 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 Pandasaurus is one of those publishers that I actually kind of like because they do make games that are like, what the hell is this? And you, that's kind of fun. Like, on the, it's funny because on the one hand, it's nice to see games based on IP that are actually really good. Like, they're not just, you know, firing them out attacked with the name attached and being like, that's good enough. Like, there, obviously, there are mixed, you know, results. Like, the Horizon Zero Dawn board game apparently isn't very good. But, I've not played it. That's just what I've heard from the great mind. Uh, whereas, like, re- apparently the Resident Evil 2 one is very good. Mm, both out so, of Steamforged. Like... So yeah, Steam both from Steamforged. Yeah. Steam like Steamforged yeah, also so... responsible for Dark Souls, which is terrible. terrible. Yeah. Um, um, there's also made things like Guild Ball. So. Yeah, so it's the case of, like, for me, obviously, great board games, fantastic. Love that. You know, having the IP attached, obviously that helps with selling it and get people into board games, things like that. That's really fantastic. 
you know, I'm not of the opinion where I think IPs are just going to take over everything because I think that the industry boom, I think, is just going to encourage just more board games being made regardless of whether there's an IP attached or not. Like this year alone, obviously, we've seen a lot of IP based games and they're doing very well particularly on kickstart and things like that but we're still seeing plenty of games that have no ip attached whatsoever like and i would gather even some of those games that have done very well on kickstarter like aren't necessarily attached to an ip they've either got like a big creator attached to them or they're just something that people are really into and you've still got companies like you know ravensburger you know renegade uh reasonably large-ish size in comparison you know companies that are producing obviously ip-based stuff renegade is still doing that but they're also doing stuff outside of that as well so i'm i'm hopeful i'm optimistic i don't think ip is going to take over i certainly think i don't think it's going anywhere it's still you know being really good but then you've got companies like fantasy flight who who obviously have Star Wars, whatever, although they're stepping, it seems they're stepping away from Star Wars stuff a lot. Um, or like Marvel. But then they've got like Arkham Horror, for example, which is basically, it's kind of its own IP, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, yeah. I think it, it goes a long way on the fact that like Lovecraft stuff is just very popular, even though they, they very much kind of detach from that in a way that makes it a lot more palatable, yeah. let's say. But yeah, I think... I mean, it, it happens in video games, it happens in movies. You hope that these places kind of pay the bills with the the big million dollar. This is going to sell to hundreds of thousands of people. And it lets them then do the actual kind of like innovative, interesting little projects that might only, you know, interest a couple of ten, ten, tens of thousands rather than hundreds of thousands. Yeah. But that's what kind of really pushes the industry forward. And you see it in things like Oath, right? Like Oath, it's got... Uh, Cole Worley attached to it and later games, but it's not anything to do with Root, it's nothing to do, no, and it's, it's like when you consider it, it's a, yeah, it's a really weird concept <laughs> for a game, it's a really weird idea, but it's great. Kind of blew like... up and people really got into it, so yeah, that's the hope is that you could just continue to see more of that stuff. I think like later games is a great example of, yeah, a company that yeah. doesn't do licensed stuff but has managed to make its own kind of like place in the industry, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I. I'm kind of of the opinion as as the community gets larger and the potential audience gets larger, obviously there'll be still plenty of like companies and whatever jumping on bandwagon and creating IP board games. But IP board games have existed for ages anyway. And you know, they're to be honest, they're getting better, if anything. Like that you you still see your like we got a story today on Mario Labyrinth, <laughs> which, you know, they'll always exist. Um but then you do, you know, get some some really great licensed games. Like we were talking about Marvel Champions. Like Marvel Champion is genuinely great, and like obviously having that Marvel name attached to it helps a lot. But also, it is a game that is fun to play. <laughs> what do you think, Lolies? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well. We can move on to a second story, which also I've saved it for second because it moves us nicely into this week's segment. But uh, if you've watched Icebreaker for a while, you'll have seen us play Blades in the Dark more than once, mm. uh, at least twice. We might have played it more than that. I think, Johnny, they did a video on why you should play it as well. So we've covered yeah. Blades in the Dark quite a bit. But yeah. Alex Meehan, what's Hello. next for Blades in the Dark? Oh, goodness. I'm in the chopper. 
I'm in, I'm in Victorian London. It's oh, a no. steampunk chopper. Yeah, it's, it's Doskval, technically, but yeah, I, I'm in the, the fantasy land of Dusk, Doskval. Yeah. I probably got that wrong. No. I think it's Doskval. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm not going to be called out. Um, yeah. Get to the uh... news. We've <laughs> 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 got hecklers from the side. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so the news is Blades in the Dark, the role-playing game, uh, is being made into a television show. <laughs> we I'm very know... excited about that, actually. Yeah, no, we know very, very little about it. <laughs> the, the main details we have are being produced by a company called Warp Films. They've previously done some, some pretty good stuff, actually, like This is England 86, which is that uh, series about like the mod scene of the 1980s, uh, and that uh, the kind of film version of everybody's talking about Jamie, which is that musical that's like LGBTQ plus in a school. That's kind of what I know about it. I think there's drag queens involved. I'm old. I don't watch what the kids do anymore. Yeah, but I think yeah, I think this <laughs> one here. We know that uh, like a D and D series is coming up, right? Like a Netflix series, I want to say. Um, no, or not a Netflix series. Um, it's Amazon. It's Amazon. Okay. It's Amazon. Yeah, there's Amazon. obviously the D and D film. There's the D and D series. We've got Magic the Gathering, but to see something like Blades, which is like Blades is popular, but it's not. But it's not D and D magic I mean, not level. D &D yeah. Popular. So yeah, I'm like. But I think like you the, theme, for this. the kind of theme and the the world and and stuff is is strong enough that you don't even need to know what it's from, yeah. what it's based on. Like it, I think it's just such a strong. I like it. It just feels like when you play it, it feels like you're in this kind of like you know you almost feel like you're in a film or in a TV series. Mm. Yeah, because mm. it's got like the flashbacks and yeah, like yeah, you, it's you're obviously on a heist, so it is very much like a you have this very obvious kind of like arc that you set out on. Yeah. Yeah. The, the world, the world itself is like, it, it is so sort of well realized without, if it makes sense, it's not like, you know, the Forgotten Realms, for example, where there is like 5,000 pages of lore out there about it and the people who live there. Like there's not like a huge amount of lore available about Dostfall, but it's done so well. <laughs> That, that it does feel so, you know, in, well realized. And I do think it could be a really good setting. For I think a series. Deadlands I'm, would also be a good one. Deadlands actually. is another mm. really good one. I can see that being like a, oh my God, they've done like some, some what was that Western series that was pretty good? Deadwood, is it? Yeah, Deadwood. Yeah, Deadwood is Deadwood. I was going to say with Shane Roach, yeah. but it's not. It's with Ian, <laughs> Ian McShane. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah Shane i think actually like bone bone tomahawk has like kind of like deadlands-esque yeah but that's not exactly yeah. like the most accessible thing in the world is it no. it's, it's one of the roughest films i've ever watched <laughs> um it's rough but no i think i think a blade in the dark series could be really interesting i can imagine something like peaky blinders mixed with like mm. mixed with the fantasy yeah. and like you know TV series adaptations are very hot right now. We're seeing like a Wheel of Time series, which they should have done a Stormlight Archives one first and then done Wheel of Time, frankly. <laughs> because Stormlight Archives is so good that 
I just feel like it would work so well as a TV yeah. show, man. Like, I will anyway, say no. it's nice to see like a because Blade isn't really a fantasy. It has like a tinge of fantasy. It has some fantasy, but, but to see steampunk, a yeah. show that is not just because there's Lord, there's a Lord of the Rings show coming out. There's the D and D show. Obviously, yeah, there's a Game of Thrones spin-off yeah. or prequel. Oh sequel, God, why are they still doing this? Have you so seen it feels the wigs? Like, particularly have you seen after... the wigs, Matt Jarvis? I have not seen the wigs. Have actually. you seen we'll Matt Smith's wigs? We don't have time for wigs. <laughs> but speaking of speaking of wigs, um, and speaking of Blades in the Dark. Uh, this week's segment, we decided, like, let's just let's just lay out. We know nothing about this Blades in the Dark TV series, so let's lay out who we would cast in a Blades in the Dark TV series. What kind of like vibe it would go for? Maybe who's behind the camera as well? Okay, I yeah. Sorry, like I'm getting this. distracted. I'm getting distracted by. Matt I don't Smith know Lowe's. celebrities. Lolis, you agreed to this earlier. I know, but I didn't think about what it actually mean. We can't steer away <laughs> mid podcast. This is this is why. Oh. <laughs> it's fine. Matt and I, Matt and I are first in full of oh, ideas. Why don't you say your ideas and I'll just say yes or no to them? <gasps> oh, okay, be... you can be like we're selling it to you. You're like yes. this. You're, yeah, Production you're the Hollywood company. producer. I'm the producer. Yes, there you go. That is that your producer outfit? Yes. Are you wearing this is my, my... <laughs> this is my mustache beard. Alex, me and I'm looking at these wigs. They are. Not good. <laughs> uh, okay. I want those wigs in our show, please. No, we want Blades in the Dark to Give be good. Give me pictures of like, these okay. wigs on my desk. <laughs> I need <laughs> pictures of the wig man. Um, I want pictures of these wigs on my desk by Monday morning. <laughs> okay, so let's well, let's Danny do Gavito, this. Let's just get that. Yeah, out. we were saying earlier that maybe <laughs> like in in dicebreaker fashion, Danny DeVito <laughs> needs to be present, but Danny DeVito can play everybody in every flashback. So, yes. <laughs> and it's it's like a metaphor it's, for the fuzzy memory of what happened. I, as a producer, I say yes to the Danny DeVito flashback casting. Yes, <laughs> excellent. excellent yeah. got, that's all. That's Sold. the thing I cared about most. Yeah. To be honest, uh, everything else is just an add-on. Um, no, that'd be great. I think yeah, having Danny DeVito as everyone in the flashback. Because Danny DeVito himself is kind of a mystery, isn't he? Mm. He's, he's like a fantastical figure. I feel, so, in... like, having him as everyone is kind of like, ooh. Yeah, he's know. either everyone in every flashback, or he's basically reprising his um, penguin from Batman, but as the person you're heisting from. Both. Yeah, or, or both, yeah, sure. Look, yeah. we've got Danny DeVito for 10 days, Matt Jarvis. We're going <laughs> to take maximum it. advantage of Danny DeVito. <laughs> Okay, who who else have we got in our heist crew? Oh, okay, in the heist crew, right? Mm. In the heist crew, See, I, I feel want I'm going to say Brendan Fraser, obviously. <laughs> Brendan Fraser, he's he's coming back. He's back on screen now. <laughs> he, so. is, uh, he is. He uh, is. He's he's having a comeback, and I think Brendan Fraser would be really good. Yeah. As like the kind of, I don't know. I feel like he's got a warmth about him that you just can't ignore. So I feel like he would be good as like maybe the the kind of grounded mm. or like the 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 kind of he gives advice to the crow as being like oh you know I was in a dark place once but now I I'm I'm, I'm good but I'm going to help you and I'm not going to yeah. do any bad things because I'm too nice. 
I mean, you think of the mummy, you know, that was him him kind of tomb raiding. He could he could he could fit into a heist movie, I reckon. Yeah, right? yeah. Saying yeah. no to Brendan Fraser. No, how dare you, Lola? No. You can't say no. We're not, I'm the producer. Not... I can say what I no. want. You're fired. Hollywood sweetheart, Brendan Fraser. No. Nope. I don't want Hollywood him in my heist Brendan movie. Fraser. Thank you very much. Nope. Okay. He's not dark enough. He, oh, you need like someone with grit. Um, uh, who's like? He's I don't like, know who's he's gritty. too nice. I just want to, you know, I want to. Yeah, but you need some levity. You can't just have yeah, everyone. Yeah, not being... Brendan Fraser. I'm sorry, but no. Oh come on. Okay. Yeah. Okay, we need more slimy people, Madra. Well, I wasn't <laughs> going to say slimy, but I I was going to say I reckon Idris Elba because like Luther's quite like a tonally dark show. Yeah. So like, just swap his kind of like coat for like a more steampunky. Like, put some some pipes and some brass bits on it. I reckon yeah, Idris Elba would fit right in. He's got that kind of like. Yeah. He, yeah he, Idris Elba a pipe. Idris Elba's also got a pretty good right voice, in. like for this yeah, kind of scene. He, he I, I'm yes, yes to Idris Elba. Yeah. Okay, Idris Elba. Elba. He, he could be knuckled. your grounded. He's knuckles. He's so. knuckles. <laughs> that's also yeah. That's also his name in. Yeah. Uh, in this place in the dark TV show, yeah, he's playing knuckles twice. We won't get a lawsuit from that. No, I'm sure. Uh, um, obviously, we need Jason Statham because uh, you can't have anything vaguely Londonish theme without Jason Statham. Thank you very much. Is this just going to end up as the remake of the Italian job? Is Jason no, Statham I'm saying no to Jason Statham. What? I've not even given you my argument yet. Uh, okay, fine. Hear go me for out. It. Right, Jason. <laughs> Jason Statham can play like the guy who just like punches everyone and he is like oh cool he's having a bad time he can do all like the fun zingers like i'm putting you to sleep sunshine if you want jason statham in the show he can be somebody who's on the opposing side of the main characters but he's not a main character i'll take that i'll take it as long as i get him in there he's Uh, gonna be in this right next up zendaya uh, yes. oh, she's pretty good. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's great in Spider Man. Uh, mm-hmm. She, I think, she is she also would, America's sweetheart. She could just be like the kind of like young peppy upstart heist. Kid. Like she's the audience like surrogate entering pocket. into this kind of dark world. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like Oliver I'm, Style. Yeah, Oliver Twist style pickpocket for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Zendaya, big, big fan. Zendaya. Yeah, great. We've got Zendaya. She can do the musical interlude as well. So we've got Idris that, so. and Zendaya so far. Yeah. Uh, can I please put in a vote for Eva Green? Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. Eva Green can play like the Whisper. Do you know, like the Whisper is like the if people don't know Blades in the Dark, the Whisper role is like the kind of person who can commune with the spirit that live in like Darkfall and sort of float mm. around. And they they're very canon. They're very weird. Uh, they're very kind of like mysterious and gothic and things like that and i think if anyone pulled that off it's eva green because she did that amazing job in a penny dreadful she plays like a weird kind of creepy person in that and i think she'd be very good in this as that role please yes to eva green yes yeah i think (laughs) just helena ronham carter but i feel like we've we've got we can't have Eva Green and Helen. Yeah, we can't Helen have Carter, both. Yeah. Right. I think Helen Bonham Carter can also be somebody who's not like part of the crew, but is like in, can just in be a different weird, fashion, world, weird yeah. woman who just hangs around. Yeah, can be like, mm. like, because uh, like, like Blades in the Dark is somewhat inspired by Dishonored, right? 
and there is a character in the world of Dishonored called Granny Rags, who is like a weird woman who hangs around, but we could kind of have like a Granny Rags type person that Helena Bonham Carter could be, because the weirder they are, the the happier she is. Yeah, basically reprising the character would absolutely, yeah, yeah, steal the show with that background. She would steal the show. Okay, so we've we've got so we've got Idris Elba as Zendaya, um, Eva Green, Green. yeah, Eva Green, yeah, and wait, did we say Uh, anyone else? I can't remember. I mean, obviously, like Danny DeVito. Oh, Danny 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 DeVito DeVito is only flashback. You don't have to put him on the casting list because Um, he just is. He just is. Just is. Yeah. Could I please put forward a combo of um, Jed Jed (laughs) Willem Dafoe? (laughs) No, Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson, please. Because those two working together is a dream team. I would, I'd take that. Yeah, I feel like yeah. Willem Dafoe is a good, a good call. And Willem Robert Dafoe Patterson, would be like the yeah. spider. Willem Dafoe would make an amazing like greasy fingers. Like mm. when I was making greasy fingers, I was imagining Willem Dafoe's greasy fingers. Right, the yeah. people who might not know who Greasy Fingers is, he's a character I played in like our first playthrough of Blades in the Dark, and he's basically like a Fagin type character, who who just has like pull strings everywhere, a little bit like um. My God, from Game of Thrones, like Barris. Barris, yeah. That's the one. Like, but Willem Dafoe is that. Can you imagine him in his weird, like, creepy top hat and his rags, and he's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't. And one of these... ba- oh wait, what's the thumbs thumb up? Thumbs down. Who's thumbs down to? Thumbs down to Robert Pattinson. Thumbs up. Oh, to see Robert Pattinson. I feel he would. He's got like Robert a good post Twilight. He's had a really strong run. Not on my show. Okay, how about Daniel Radcliffe, the other kind of post-childhood oh, yeah! star who like moved into very weird, like independent films. He could, I reckon, he could be like one of the side, like hench people of the, the villain, and just do his whole like I'm in a dressing gown with guns thing, <laughs> or I am a corpse, or I'm a corpse that farts. Yeah, that I could definitely say. Could I also put um. Look, uh, Sam Robinson says, our Pats is on, on the up. He's Batman. Come on. Like, how who cares? You... Who cares what Sam, what Sam Robinson says? <laughs> um, can I also put forward Aquafina, please? Because she is incredibly talented and she's very funny. And, and she was in a film with Danny DeVito, so they know each other. and They've worked together before. And Aquafina is just... Uh, I could imagine her as being like, yeah, a sly sort of... Um, you know, <laughs> part of the heist crew. What are you laughing at? You're looking at Aquafina. <laughs> I'm getting a. How are you spelling Aquafina? Oh. Uh... <laughs> That's probably why. <laughs> she's like a. She's like a musician and like an How actor. How do you spell it? You spell it's A W A W K W A F I N A. Okay. Just... Oh, what's she been in? Because she... I recognise her face. I think she was in that. Netflix oh, she's in the rap series. song "My Vag," apparently. So, uh... right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can we say that on the show? Well, yeah, that's what said now. That's the beauty of live streaming. <laughs> yeah, right. she did do that rap song. Um, also... I will say yes to Aqu- Aquafina. Not that's the, good. not the. I'm. I'm but also. Aquafina. I'm also saying yes to Aquafina. The yes. water. We're gonna have that on set. Oh, great sponsorship! Yes. All right. Oh yeah, she's in the new Marvel film as well. She's hot right now. She's hot. Hmm. All right. Well, yeah. great job. We've cast 
Blades in the Dark, the TV series. Uh, wait, before we move on from this, who's directing at least the pilot? Me. <laughs> Lowly. You're producing. <laughs> yeah, you can yeah, do direct as well. Um, oh, 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 oh. Um... <laughs> Matt do Jarvis, not say Zack I Snyder, believe... I swear to no, God. No, not visionary <laughs> director Zack Snyder. Um, no, um, Matt, Matt Jarvis, why can't I remember the name of the guy who did Twin Peaks? David Lynch. David Lynch will do it. Yeah, I would say like David Lynch or Jordan Jordan Peele are the two. Oh, Jordan. Those Peele are the two shoe-ins, Like very good at like unsettling horror. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like kind of like Can Lynch we... and Frost on on Twin Peaks. Like they just split it between. Can them. we get Udo Kier in there? <laughs> no. <laughs> Fine. All right. Excellent. Yes. Work. <laughs> That's the Blades in the Dark series that we want to see that almost certainly won't happen. Yeah, we won't get that. But but just imagine if it did. I... I think I think we're probably wrong with a lot of it, but I reckon the whole Danny DeVito plays yeah. everyone in the flashbacks thing will be the one thing that will actually yeah, I think that'll be the thing, be thing. that will yeah. definitely happens. Yeah. Uh, all right, before we go, <laughs> let's move on to a couple of questions from the audience. Uh, if you'd like to send us a question, you can do so at podcast.com. If you're watching live, you can drop it in the chat, uh, or you can get in touch on Twitter at Join Dicebreaker and places like that. Or don't. Uh, we don't. Whatever. Or don't. Hey, if you don't want to, you don't have to. Uh, Lowly. <laughs> uh, would you like to read this one from James Marsden? From James. 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 First on the one list. James. Singular James. Um, hello, James. James says, any games you wish to play but CAD for whatever reason? Yes, uh, I can't play Secret Hitler. I would love to play that. I would love to play uh, Two Rooms and a Boom. Can't play that. I'd love to play many games that you require to be in the same room. Uh, well, you don't. You know, you don't require, but they are definitely much, 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 much better to play in the same room. It's a large group with lots of people. Same. I don't have a, a huge. Obviously, I've moved um, out of London recently, and I don't have any friends yet. So, <laughs> I have one friend who lives kind of close but i don't have like a group of friends yet that i can play big games like that with so any but games we'll that require more that. than three players lowly shall we crowdfund, crowdfund. get lowly's friends, friends. Lit, like electoral crowdfund <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes please <laughs> no, i think i'm, I'm going, kind of i'm going to a class tonight so i'm hoping to make some friends oh i'm nice. like i'm like a little child going off trying to make sense hey, it's difficult you to need, move like, yeah. It's, yeah you need friends no matter what age you are so yeah. you, you're being brave for doing that lowlies yeah putting yourself uh, out there matt uh i would say a similar thing like i am itching to play a game that just takes like a whole afternoon and you can play it at a very leisurely pace like right. something like a the big kind of like twilight imperiums or eclipse or civilization like that kind of thing where people take their turn and maybe they go off and like chat for a bit and it you have like eight people playing and it's a massive sweeping thing matt, like diplomacy let's play root matt we should play root it's been a while since we played root we still need to play that new expansion we haven't played that new expansion yet on the digital version yeah we should play that uh it's been a busy summer yeah the summer disappeared because we had said we were streaming it and then and then it released too late and we just played normal root but yeah yeah 
So oh, then yeah. people can watch me get annoyed again. I have to defend my belt, oh, my, wood, my woodland Matt's belt. so cheated in that game. I did not yeah, cheat. It's a digital version. It's definitely literally impossible cheated. to cheat. <laughs> no, I'm with Lolis. Definitely cheated. I saw right. you. We saw Alex you. Alex Yeah, we both saw you. <laughs> impossible to cheat. Look, please, look. It's the thing. one game that I'm good at. You can't take this away from me. <laughs> I lose at literally everything else. Like that both times I've done, true. both times I've done. You've never played with wheels. He's beaten me at the game I've introduced him to that he's never played before. That's because he's yeah, a jammy, jammy man. He's jammy. Oh. He is jammy. He is. Right. <laughs> Alex, me. Jammy what, dodger. What would you play? <laughs> Given the chance. If wheels was a biscuit, he would be a jammy dodger. Hundred <laughs> percent. Because he's sweet in the middle. Oh, he's all crunchy on the outside. No, it's because he's jammy and he's a dodger. He is a dodger. I'll give him that. He's a dodger. I don't know what that means. Um, yeah. Now I really want a jammy dodger. Um, I've got some downstairs. Oh, send them to me, Lolly. Post them. <laughs> uh, I, what game I would like to play? Um, I want to play Eldritch Horror right now. Right now. I love Let's Elder do it. Horror. Let's do it. Let's, Let's do it. Let's off this whole po stupid podcast. <laughs> Nobody wants this. to see this anyway. I love this attitude that Loli has. Loli has right now, which is like, I don't care. Like, <laughs> the whole thing. We're just over an hour from the weekend. You can you can go play Elder Horror if you want. To be fair, Elder Horror is one of those big games that, like, I just oh. like, like big global scale. Like, if we start you just sit now. Down we won't be. We won't go, be done before midnight, I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah, and that's just the setup. Yeah. No, Eldritch is a game that I genuinely really love. And um, I don't own a copy. I should. But it's expensive because funny. Mm. Um, but it is a game that you do. It's the kind of game, like Matt said, that you set up in the morning or something. And then that's it for the rest of the day. You just You just work on that baby. For the rest of the day, maybe have some snacks, order some pizza, you know, have a few bevies, uh, and just have a great time. So, Eldritch Horror, I want to play that. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't think the TTS mod is very good for it. It's there's a lot going on in that game. I feel like it's better suited to an actual table. Um, they should make a digital version of it. I don't know why they haven't. They made Mother's Embrace instead, which is not great. Uh, all yeah. right. Watch the videos because we played. Yeah. See us out yeah. with this last question from Dicebreaker Plus member Baron Breakfast. Me again? Yeah. Me. Well, we did what a lot is... of news news chatting, so you know. Baron Breakfast is asking, "What is it about your favorite game that makes it your favorite game? Did you know during your first game that it would become your favorite?" Uh, good question, Baron. Uh, mm, yeah, everyone knows my favorite game. It's um, uh, Vast. Uh, up, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a serums, obviously. Uh, I did not know it would become my favorite game. I I think it was in one of the earlier games that I played when I became like a games guru at a cafe, and we just played it. And I was like, yeah, this is this is cool. Um, and then there was I I mean I always talk about the moment when I realized it was my favorite game, which was like several games in. But um, it's my favorite. I think my favorite things the way I like the way I decide that something is my favorite, like be it music or food or board games, is it needs to be something that I, I would be like, if this was the only thing I could do for the rest of my life, 
Would I be Whoa. happy with that? And I think Starums, I would be happy to just play it. If that really? was the only wow. game I could play for the rest of my life, I'd be pretty happy with it, I think. I could just play, I could play it like, you know, all day for an entire day and still not be bored of it. Wow. That's incredible. Like that, That's genuinely like, because I, I am the opposite. Like I find it hard to just stick with something. So like anyone who is just like, yeah, like I could do this all the time. Like, But that's the thing. I yeah, I, I get that, bored like, yeah. quite easily. I think that's why I then decide like that's how I choose my favorites. Because if I find something that I am willing to do like repetitively, because I'm not really a person who likes things too repetitively. That's how I know like I really like that. Like chicken Caesar salad. Ooh. I love that. I could eat that like all the time. So that's my favorite food. <laughs> For a second, um, I was like, I've never heard of that board game. I was like, oh, <laughs> like, you mean the food. Dose <laughs> like, oh, by Red Hot Chili Pepper is my favorite song because I could listen to that all day, every day. So, I mean, there's... Um... Wait, chicken, chicken Caesar Salad by Red Hot Chili Peppers is your favorite song? <laughs> Dose. <laughs> I don't know that one. Dose? <laughs> I think it's one of those... Oh, no, I, I know Dose. Okay. Sorry, I thought I was making a joke about Chicken Caesar Salad. <laughs> to be honest, that sounds like a song that they would make, so... It does, yeah. yeah, it does. It does, yeah. They should. Yeah, like if you've made a song called Yertle the Turtle, you should be able to make a song called Chicken Seeds of Salad. Um, Matt Jarvis, uh, what's your favourite board game if I, you have one? How see, did you know? I'm changeable, but I think at the moment it might be Root. And I think the first few times I played it in person, I really liked it. But it was playing it during lockdown over the internet that really kind of, I think, because again, we played it so much, like we we're playing yeah. once a week. And as I played it more and more, it kind of settled into like, actually, I really, really like this. So I, like, I like playing all the different factions. Yeah, it's because uh, you I, can cheat it. <laughs> I will say that I, I played a lot of Oath for the review that I did of Oath, and I want to play more Oath. And I think Oath is right up there as well. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. Why do I even try? God. My wife is meant to be the teacher, not me. Like, I feel like I'm trying to keep class, class, come on, pay attention. Like, come on, stay on topic. We're not on no, topic, sorry. we're laughing about you cheating. Oh, I woke up the cat of my clapping, I'm sorry. All. Oh, no, now she's coming. Oh, um, no, now you've got it. Uh, sorry, Matt. No, you. we laughed from what you were saying. Tell us what you were saying. I feel uh, bad now. I really like Rue. I played it a lot. The first few times I played it, I really liked it, but I don't think it was kind of in contention for my favorite game. And I think it was just playing it weekly and really getting to know all those factions and playing it with like a full table of people really kind of cemented just how much I really love that game. Mm. Um, and I played a lot of Oath, which is Corelli's latest game um, for our review. Uh, and I just want to play more of that with more people because that I feel is also right up there, like already. Like it's a recent release, so maybe it just has that like shine of the new. Um, but it's like just a really, really good game. Mm. Sorry, I just saw Sam Robinson say yeah. it. <laughs> he just one hand yeeted that cat. <laughs> Look, I'm a professional. I know how to yeet a cat while <laughs> not breaking <laughs> sentence. Um, I was going to, uh, I would be up for playing more Root. No, Sugar. I'd be up for playing more Oath. And Star Wars. Because I've never played Star Wars. You've uh, never played Star Wars. Have we already yeah, done I'm in trubs now. I'm in trubs. Slowly <laughs> looking at me like I've committed Are you to serious? terrible sin. I'm serious. I've never played Star Wars. Um, I would like to play Star Wars. I promise you. It's because I like I like card games like that. Um, okay, so I would like to play some more Oath because uh, I once we realised what we were doing because that game. 
initially is just a massive mm-hmm. overload of rules, just like Rue is. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you're like, oh, this is really fun and interesting and great. And also we have that save still that we could we can give that another go and see what happens because I'm the chancellor in that one. I kind of want to see. Oh yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I won it's, match. It's your Arvin. world. Yeah, it's your. I kingdom, won. Your empire. <laughs> I never win anything, and I won. Um, but uh, Matt Jarvis stole my answer. <laughs> uh, Root would be my answer as well, because like, oh, oh Lonis is bored. <laughs> like, okay, the, uh. the thing is, right? Number one, I hate being asked asked my favorite thing, because I don't believe in having one favorite thing. I think it's rubbish, and I have loads of different favorite things. So, like, uh like my favorite board games uh, like betrayal would be there because it's it's stupid <laughs> and i love how stupid it is and i love that it's horror theme and i'm watching for the cat is the cat going to come up? no 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 i'm stroking her just beneath the table <laughs> because that will stop her from jumping up i thought you were getting ready to eat no, she um, was crunching biscuits, so hopefully that wasn't coming through <laughs> the microphone. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I love Betrayal because it's stupid and it's horror theme. Uh, but I also love Root. I feel like Betrayal and Root are like, are like my sort of angel and devil. Yeah, they're two like very different board game world. <laughs> yeah, like they, for me, they represent two board games that I love for two very different reasons. I love Betrayal because it's stupid. And like, thematically speaking, it's really great. And I just love the idea behind a game like that, where it's like a sort of mini adventure thing. What happened to Scythe? Scythe's been over. Scythe's been overruled by Root. I'm sorry, it's been knocked off the throne by Root because uh, they're both games that I like for similar reasons, in the sense that they're both games that you just like. You can chomp into. They're like big. They're like a big buffet, right? That you. <laughs> That you keep coming back to and the more you go back to it the more delicious it is that's how i describe games like root and scythe but i think root is better than scythe because i like the fact that the factions work so differently and i feel like there's i feel like there's more nuance in the buffet then because like it's like it's like a world buffet you've got the indian food and you've got like the the dessert and you've got like the Japanese food. So you can have loads of very different tasting things that somehow all work very well together on the plate. That's right. a very complicated thing. <laughs> mm, but it leads nicely into the end of the podcast because we will be back next Friday with this particular buffet of delicious mm. board game conversation and a bunch of other stuff. I will say, I'll tease quickly because just by chance, uh, Lee Hiscox. Uh, said in the chat, don't know why, but would love to see Dicebreaker play Taskmaster. Would be <gasps> chaos, uh, as that's what happened to us, lol. Uh, maybe stay tuned. Maybe stay tuned in the next Whoa, few weeks or so. Maybe, maybe, also, maybe there's we, something we we might be doing like that. We currently maybe. have six. Well, we at one point we had sixty nine people watching. It's, so uh, I just yeah. had to bring it up. The nicest of podcasts. Yeah. Um, all right. Thank you 
thank you for being back. Alex Lowley's welcome back. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, I'm back now and um, stick around to see this face. Mm hmm. Which you can see on youtube.com slash dicebreaker. And Alex Meehan, your face can appear on dicebreaker.com. Thank you for yeah. being here also. If you're not careful, my face will be there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I've been Matt Jarvis. This has been the Dice Breaker Podcast. We'll be back next Friday live from 2pm BST. Until then, if you're in the US, enjoy your long Labor Day weekend. Mm. If you're in the UK, just enjoy a normal weekend. You already had a, you, you just had a bank holiday. Don't get greedy. Uh, we'll be back next Friday. Take care out there. Look after yourselves. Until we meet again, have a lovely day. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.